This is Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. Today we're joined by Swati Tirdala and Mary Norris. Swati Tirdala is a storyteller and writer. After graduating from the University of Virginia with a BS in finance and history, she tumbled into the marketing side of the technology industry. She's passionate about many things, including how to make a proper cup of chai, the right ratio of curd to crust in a lemon tart, and diverse representation in the stories we tell. She currently lives in New York City. The Tiger at Midnight is the first book in her debut fantasy series. Inspired by Indian history and Hindu mythology, it follows a dutiful soldier named Kunal and a rebel spy known as the Viper, who crossed paths one night. A cat and mouse game ensues, and they soon learn that what they thought they knew about the world is not quite right. My name is Swathi Dardala, and the book I'm recommending is Alana, the First Adventure by uh, Tamara Pierce. I believe it came out in the in the 80s, actually, but I first encountered the book when I was 10. Um, I found it in my school library, and it was recommended from a new friend, and a new friend who I thought was really cool. She kept on talking about um, the main character, this this girl who kind of defied convention and was making the world her own. And so I, I picked it up, and it's a story about um, Alana, who pretends to be a knight and uh, takes her brother's place uh, to train to become a knight. Kind of what happens after that. So as you might assume, um, lots of hijinks. She learns a lot, but more than anything, it was a great story of, of what you can, what you can do as a girl. And as a 10 year old, it was pretty cool to me. I was an avid reader. I devoured everything in my, in my path. Uh, I wasn't really picky, but um, Alana, this book was the first time I, I really read a fantasy that I couldn't put down. Uh, it was really my first introduction into fantasy and, and you know, um, magic and, and incredible world building and, and characters who, you know, women, girls who were fighting with swords. And it was my first taste and I've never gone back since. Definitely not appropriate for a 10-year-old. <laughs> so I think originally the book was, it, it's actually part of a series. So it's the f- book one out of uh, four books. And uh, that entire series was originally one book. And it was supposed to be written for adults. If I remember interviewing, or the interviews I've, I've heard correctly by the author, uh, they realized that it would be much more appealing to a young adult or a younger audience, and they split it into four books. So I read the first book, but in the first book, she is, um, she's young. I believe she is 13 or younger. So it seemed appropriate. (laughs) However, it does start to slowly, you know, for her life as she gets older. And it was actually really formative for me because I got to see, you know, what life would be like five years down the road or you know, 10 years down the road and, and how to navigate a lot of those things that would come up. So while it was not quite the right age group for me, it, it really impacted me throughout the next 10 years as I, as I would come back and reread the book. Yeah. So the first one is really, I think it's up until she's uh, 14 or 15. And then the second book is 16 to 18 or so. I might be totally messing up these ages, but it's really, you know, like preteen, teenager to young adult. Third book is she's like fully on her own, more of an adult. And then the fourth book is kind of like the culminating story of her, of her quests and adventures. I would say that is the problem. It's that it follows her throughout her life. So it's from, you know, when she's a preteen up until I would say her early thirties. The one thing um, when I was younger that I was able to do is kind of know my limits. 
So I came to about the third book and I, I said to myself, I don't really understand what's happening <laughs> on, on the emotional level. Like, why was she feeling these things? I really couldn't fathom it at that point. So um, I waited a year or two and then I came back to the series and I finished it. And it meant so much more to me now that, you know, I was a wise 13 year old who could understand all of these emotions. I would say at that age, I was always looking forward and thinking, you know, what is middle school going to look like or what's high school going to look like? And it felt a lot less intimidating reading it in this fantasy world. And it was also my first kind of foray into feminism. And it was the first book where I got to see a girl be that warrior and, and be a knight. And it kind of, it really shaped how I thought about what I could do as well as I was, when I was growing up. I reread it every couple of years, if not, you know, more often. I, you know, one of the first things I did when I got my first job was to go and buy the, the set of the covers that I grew up with. So there are these older covers and I had to kind of scour around and look for them. But yeah, these beautiful illustrations. And I grew up tracing those illustrations on that cover and, and drawing Alana in all her different ages, you know, on all the different covers. And it was a really big part of my, my childhood. So I made sure to get them. I think it's, it's very different reading it as an adult because there are a lot of decisions that Alana makes, you know, throughout the series, especially in the last book that I now understand on a much deeper level. And it has has layered meaning to me now that it didn't then. There's actually, you know, some choices she makes, no spoilers, that as, you know, as a kid or even as a teenager, I was so upset by. And I would tell everybody and all my friends who love the books how it upset and made me. Uh, but now I get it. And I think it's just, I have hit that age and I've surpassed some of those ages and I've lived that life a little bit more. And so it's it's been a layered experience. One of the biggest moments in you know the first book on the first adventure is there's this moment where you know her secret is this is a bit of a spoiler is revealed but the, the emotions behind that and, and what happens and the person who you know ends up finding out how they react to it uh that it really impacted me because and i'm really trying not to give spoilers here <laughs> she's been hiding the secret she's been pretending to be a boy uh, for so long. And it's the first time someone sees her for who she really is. And so what happens and, you know, the, the reaction to that, it really mattered to me as a kid. And that was like a very emotional moment that I would always go back and kind of read. I think it would be amazing to be adapted. Actually, I used to, I used to go on, you know, fandom forums and, and talk about this with people like who are our fan cast for these, this, uh, the book and the series. And, you know, it's really interesting how much things have changed since 10, 15 years ago, it's it's possible now and it never was possible before. So I haven't thought about that in a long time, but I would be first in line to see that if the, that, the adaption came, came to fruition. Thanks again to Swati Tirdala for joining us and recommending Alana, The First Adventure by Tamara Pierce. The Tiger at Midnight, published by Catherine Teagan Books, comes out April 23rd. You can follow her on Twitter at Swati Tirdala. This episode is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders. Are you struggling to keep up with the latest releases? Want to keep an eye on what's coming out in the next few months for work or for your own personal pre-ordering needs? If you need help turbocharging your TBR, Book Riot Insiders is here for you. 
Our new release index, available at the novel level for just $5 a month, is curated by our resident reader Liberty Hardy, from the All the Books podcast. She keeps track of the most exciting books pre-publication so that you can browse them, know when your favorite author's next book hits stores, or find your new favorite read. Go to insiders.bookriot.com to sign up now. Mary Norris is the author of Between You and Me, Confessions of a Comma Queen, published by W.W. Norton. She joined the editorial staff of The New Yorker in 1978 and has been a copy editor and proofreader there for more than 30 years. In her latest book, Greek to Me, she delivers another wise and funny pian to the art of self-expression, this time filtered through her greatest passion, All Things Greek. She is recommending The War That Killed Achilles by Caroline Alexander. She's referring, of course, to the Iliad, and Caroline Alexander did her own translation of the Iliad, so she is deeply familiar with that material. She wrote her, she made her translation, and she wrote the book during a war, you know, during the, I think it was the, one of the Iraq wars, um, when people were getting killed, and it was horrible to Americans. And so she was trying to get at the truth of war and how it is, it's just the same, you know, it's just as, it's just as horrible now as it was then and it was horrible then. And in this book, The War That Killed Achilles, what she does is take, take up almost in the order they occur to you, the questions that come to mind while you're reading the Iliad. And so you learn, you know, about, well, I don't know, one of the things that I was kind of horrified by, you know how they're always reacting, they, <laughs> you know how we always react when somebody talks about human sacrifice and um, that this was, the idea that this was part of what the Greeks did is so horrible to us. Well, at the end of the Iliad, when Achilles initiates the funeral games for Patroclus, his friend, one of the things they do is they they sacrifice Trojan warriors as well as horses, and and that just kind of gets glossed over. It seems so strange to me. You know, clearly there was human sacrifice, at least according to the myths. Uh, Agamemnon sacrificed Iphigenia, you know, that whole series of murders that went on after that. So it surprises me that there is still this reaction, oh, only the Aztecs did bad stuff like that, you know, when when it's written into the epic poems. You know, when you come to think of it, war is all about sacrificing human beings, isn't it? Those are the things that make the epics amazing and and wonderful is that they're still there is still so much truth in them and so much that we can be guided by you know i mean the idea of those those epics of homer was that they were the books of homer the epics of homer were like what the bible is certainly in the greek world that was what passed for a bible and that and the tragedies, that's how people learn to live their lives, to live good lives, to be good. In a sense, 
what Caroline Alexander was doing was bringing some of the reality of war today to the epics, making you think of things that humans felt, you know, the pain and and also the the sense of honor that they felt. It it makes Achilles more human, I think, to to picture or to have her gloss on what was going on there. And, well, she brings out this, so many of the beauties of the poem. For instance, the way at the very end, I mean, the salvation of Achilles, in a way, is when he invites, when Priam goes to visit him um, to get his son's body back, and Achilles is is just sitting apart from everyone else, and... Priam is able to approach, and they have this really human moment between them. Priam was the enemy. Why didn't they? Why wouldn't they have taken advantage of the presence of an old man and you know beat him up? He was accompanied by Hermes, so so that helped. <laughs> I think we end up feeling for both sides. Well, it's a Greek epic, and we should be on the side. Of, I think we should be on the side of the Achaeans, right? Because the um, the Trojans were the ones that did the bad thing. Paris took Helen, and of course, there's some suggestion that Helen went along pretty willingly. But that that was the cause. The Trojans were the offenders. So the Greeks, the Achaeans, are the ones who. I feel that I should be rooting for. But that's another thing that's a genius about Homer is that he gets you to feel for both sides. And you do feel for Hector. You know, Hector just is so noble. And he's doing all this for his father, for his brother, for um, for the Trojan people, for his wife, for his son. You know, he's very selfless. And he doesn't have the premonition of, of being killed so much or you know, until he gets chased around that by Achilles and then he realizes, Oh, that's why they call him swift footed Achilles, right? He he can't outrun him for anything. And so that you do of course feel so sorry for both sides. And Hector is the supreme example of the Trojan who who you who you do root for, yes. And I probably noticed it more because of Alexander's book that they have this op- the Greeks have this opportunity to go home, and it's put to them a little bit like a test, right? Does Agamemnon say, "Oh, it's not working out. Let's go home," and they all say, "Yes, let's get out of here." But then, but then Odysseus or somebody creeps around during the night and tells tells that sneaks you know tells them in their dreams or whatever that that this is a test that Agamemnon is testing them to see if they'll stay and fight or if they'll go home. And and so he gradually, I guess, changes the minds of everyone in the camp, and they don't go. There's also a wonderful scene where there it's just going to be Paris versus Menelaus. Do you remember that scene? There's just going to be a man-to-man duel, and I think the gods interfere. Something happens that, that maybe Aphrodite takes Paris away, there is a theory that the alphabet was invented or perfected by the Greeks specifically in order to tell to and specifically in order to write down Homer. You know, Homer had been um an oral tradition 
and at some point they realized this we need to hold on to this somehow and get it to places that these poets can't get to by sea or you know we want to make it more widely available and this is it's a controversial theory but it really kind of makes sense and they both were developed at the same time that is the alphabet we have the first evidence of things written down with the alphabet and preparing for my first trip to Greece. And it made me want to go to the site of Troy and Asia Minor because, you know, those were part of the Greek world. And you know, now they're part of Turkey, but there has always been enmity between you know, those those people, the, the ones in Asia and the ones on the European continent. Well, it was certainly interesting. The the Turks, let's the, the, see, this area is called called Kushadasi, where they think Troy was, and there is a big dig there. There is not much, or when I went, which was in 1983, there was not much for tourists. The Turks had not caught on to these things yet. There was not even a Coke machine. What there was was a, there was a big wooden horse. There was that. They built a horse. Horse out of wood. It was about four stories tall, and it doubled as a viewing platform. You could climb up there and look out at the plain, the Ilian Plain, right? And uh, in the oh, how many millennia has it been since they think the Trojan War was? I think it was like 1200 BC. Anyway, the land has really uh, the land has grown. The sea is a lot farther away than you think it would be. You know, you think you should be able to see the sea from the site of Troy. Maybe higher up you could. Anyway, it was not, I'm not an archaeologist. I'm not trained, and I don't know that much about rocks. I was glad to be there and to look around, but it was all dusty. And, you know, Schliemann got followed up by so many more professional archaeologists, and his methods were somewhat derided, you know, he kept everything. <laughs> Didn't occur to him to donate it. Or <laughs> he gave it to his daughter. You know? <laughs> Little finders keepers. Thanks again to Mary Norris for recommending The War That Killed Achilles by Caroline Alexander. Greek to Me, published by W.W. W. Norton, is out now and available wherever books are sold. You can find out more about Norris at commaqueen.net. Thanks again to our sponsors for making today's episode possible. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear your feedback, and it helps other folks to find the show. You can find show notes at bookriot.com slash recommended, and you can email us at recommended at bookriot.com. <laughs>